I turn into dad mode when my kids are involved, so I kind of, my little Chloe, you know, she's eight. She's turning nine soon. And y'all know how it is. You want to protect your kids. So what do you do when the baby comes along? You get the strollers with the heavy-duty wheels. You get the helmets when they're learning to ride a bike. You put on the, the training wheels. What else do we do? We put them in car seats. And then you got to have the right car seat. And if it expires, it's no good. The wife says, it's got to go. It's expired, evidently, like bread expires. So do car seats. So then you got to buy another car seat. All to defend your child, to protect them. But the problem with, this is the problem I found with being a parent. Is there's a point where I can't defend her anymore. That's a tough pill to swallow because I'm the man of the house. And someday my little girl is going to have to think on her own. I don't like that. I'd rather just, right now they're cool with staying until, you know, they're 30 and they still want to sleep over. Caleb said, can I still sleep in your room when I'm 30? I said, yeah, man, I, if you still want to, we'll see, we'll see how you feel then. He gets all upset. I say, you won't think I'm cool then. You said I won't think you're cool. And he starts bawling his eyes out. Because I said, you know, he won't want to sleep on daddy's floor when he's 30. But, you know, I'm working on it. But it, it's really hard. And as you get older, a hard thing with being a parent is where the line of defense goes from you to them. And obviously, as long as I'm walking the earth, I'm going to protect my child. But the world is going to come after them. The world is going to try to do things to them. And I won't be there in some of the most critical times by choice and just by the nature of growing up. And so this defense I have for my child, at some point, she has to be able to defend herself, so to speak. My, my other boy, Caleb, the one who, who cries about sleepovers, is actually a very, you know, rugged wrestler on the other side of his personality. And we were doing wrestling practice, and this year a jujitsu kid joined wrestling. Well, I don't know how, how much y'all know about jujitsu versus wrestling. It's similar, but not. Anybody know the, the difference between wrestling and jujitsu? Come on, come on. Yes, ma'am. There you go. So you know your goal is to choke them unconscious. Wrestling go wrestling's goal, which I love jujitsu, by the way. I would totally do it if I had, like, time, but I just figure, why bother? Because I can't, if I can't do it well, why bother? That's, that's my lazy talk right there. I really want to do it, though. In wrestling, you just pin the guy. In jiu-jitsu, you choke him unconscious, and that's, you know. In wrestling, you want to stay off your back. In jiu-jitsu, you're, you're good. Get on your back, choke him unconscious. Rear naked choke, uh, guillotine choke, triangle choke, omoplata. Yeah, I know these. I watch a lot of TV and YouTube. But there's this kid in the, in the class and, you know, just when I said, okay, I don't need to keep my eye on Caleb quite so much this year. He's, he's got it. It's three years. I can go focus on Taz. That's the little boy, Colton. I look over, and I see this kid moving in a way that I know is not wrestling. And he's good. I said, that kid does jujitsu, but this is wrestling. And he was just working Caleb. He didn't know a lick about wrestling. But, man, he was doing really good at getting behind Caleb and, and getting him, you know, in a jujitsu choke. So the first couple times, I was talking to the dad, and he says, yeah, we do grappling at the Gracie Bar Gym. 
I said, oh, okay, makes sense now. I get it. Okay, I was right. Your kid's like a semi-pro is what you're saying because he's good. And he's like seven or eight. And he was riding my son in a way that showed extreme comfort choking little children. And so a couple, a couple practices went by, and I look over, and the kid is full-mounted on my son's back in a rear naked choke. And I know what it looks like when they squeeze. I know what it looks like. And I saw him. I said, that kid's choking my son. And I ran over. I said, hey, little dude, we don't choke in wrestling, bro. Now, if this is jujitsu, it's all good, but this is wrestling. And what bothered me is Caleb was helpless. He could wrestle his heart out, but as soon as somebody did a choke, he had no defense, nothing. It bothered me so bad, I started YouTubing choke defense. I was going to teach him at home. Okay, look, someone, someone chokes you, you got to learn how to protect yourself. I didn't like this because I lost control, you see. I lost control of defending him. I took my eyes off him one second, and, and someone got him. And he's, he's a cool little kid. He, he just, you know, he, just, he was so good. It's like instinct for him. But it's just an illustration that the world is going to come at us at different times. And it's never going to stop as adults either. And we have to form a way to defend ourselves in our faith. And it's not physical like you think. It's different with God. The way we defend our faith is a little different with God, but it's the same principle. And just like I wanted Caleb to be able to defend himself in these situations he wasn't used to, I often ask myself, and, 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 I, and I challenge those that I know, is, how will you defend yourself in your faith if you're asked about it? If someone challenges you, how do we handle that? If someone asks you why they should serve Jesus, what would you say? I mean, who does that? But you think about it. What would you say? It's like, WWJD, I don't know. Nobody ever asked me. Hmm. It's simple, but I found myself going, well, I want to say something good enough. I don't want to underrate my faith in God but I don't know what I would say right on the spot. It would just come out. In the complexity of the Christian church, which is not what it was meant to be, the gospel is quite simple. Yet you may find it challenging to share the good news with others. A lot of people are scared to invite people to church. They're scared because they don't want to engage in that conversation. It feels like uh, maybe conflict. You know, it's like religion politics. But it wasn't meant to be that way. So I challenge you to ask yourself, who is Jesus in my life? Before we can really share it with others, we have to know the answer for ourselves. Otherwise, we're wrestling and someone's going to choke us and we're not going to know how to defend. But this is a different type of defense. If we go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 17, we're going to talk about it. Verse 8 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind having compassion. For one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, courteous, not returning evil for evil like the guy who was tailing me on the way to the RV park this morning, and I almost lost my faith for a second, Jim, because the guy was tailing me, and there was two cars in front of me, and it's ice out. I'm like, what do you want me to go, bro? I'm like, this is great. Pastor's going to get pulled over for, for, for losing his temper. I said, no, that's what, that's what the enemy wants. He wants me to not defend my faith the way God designed me to defend it. He wants me to defend it like the world says to defend it, which is anger, aggression, 
eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But that's not the will of God, and that's not the word of God. It says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers and be tenderhearted. Be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, everybody say contrary. It's a, it's a hard word to spit out fast. That's why I picked it. Contrary, contrary, contrary. It's a tongue tire for me, at least. On the contrary, do the opposite, a blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. When you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. Give a blessing and you will inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. The mouth is a common pattern in the scriptures. It's a common element of control between you and God. God gets your mouth, he gets your life. It's everywhere. And we're going to keep teaching on that so you guys know I'm not just making it up. <laughs> like the other, no, I'm kidding. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Suffering for right and wrong. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? I kind of hear it like that. I hear his tone. Who is he? What's he going to do, Felix? How's he going to harm you when you're in the Lord? Who is he? Come on, is what he's saying. You're in the Lord. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers? What is good? What is good, my brother? Jesus is good. That's the answer. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, sometimes you're going to suffer for righteousness', righteousness sake. You are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled. If you endure persecution, rejoice. That means something's good. Something's happening when you are endured, when you endure persecution. When someone, someone, when you, when you strike a nerve sometimes, that's when God is doing his greatest works. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. Everybody say defense. Everybody be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness. And fear, that means tender-hearted, kindly, loving. Why should I serve Jesus? Why do you love Jesus? Well, he changed my life. He changed my family's life. He's given me all my dreams. But most of all, he died for me when he didn't have to. And his love is so strong, I can't help but share with the world because someone died for me. I don't know. Maybe that's an answer I would give. It just came out right then. I don't really know. But we have to be able to give a defense in love. In meekness, not you need to do this because if you don't do this, then you're going to go to this place and it's going to be bad and you need to love God like me, Allison. <laughs> That's my mother-in-law. I can pick on her. Good to see you, Allison. John, what's up? I don't put people on the spot, always. With meekness, kindness, uh, sensitivity, you deliver the truth, but in love. And fear, meaning fear the Lord like you fear your parent. Be reverent. He's in control. Those things. That's how we deliver it. Having a good conscience, verse 16, that when they defame you as evildoers, because you will, you will endure persecution. When you become outspoken for Jesus, you will endure persecution. But count it as joy. And 
lost my place. Have it, verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those, they're going to say it's evil. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. God will take care of it. You don't need to fight them. If they're not feeling it, just keep loving them. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. The title of this sermon is Line of Defense. It sounds masculine, alpha male, the line of defense, Brendan, military, yeah? But this is different. This is not how Jesus defended what he did. It's, it's different, but it's more powerful. See, my greatest defense of my faith is an active one. I can tell people all they want to hear or don't want to hear. But what's going to really penetrate their heart is what they see. It's what they see. It's, it's, a, it's a data dump. It's a church problem. There's churches croaking. You know why? Because it's a data dump. But people want to see, not hear so much. They want to see God move, not just hear about it and see something else. See, it's kind of like going to battle with a spoon. Anybody ever, like, get lazy and they don't have any good knives in the drawer and maybe they got to, like, break a piece of bread or something and they grab, like, a spoon and they're just trying. I mean, how desperate can you be, right, to grab a spoon? But a spoon is dull and, and when you try to win your battles against the world the wrong way, it's like going to battle with a spoon when you need a sword. You can battle all day, but a spoon is not going to get you anywhere because it's dull. It doesn't achieve anything. And people will challenge you. They want you to argue. They want you to get mad in the car. They're going to challenge you as you become outspoken. The devil is going to use people to challenge you to whip out your spoon. Get out your spoon, Nate. Well, you guys shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that. And If you're a Christian, you do this, and they're just, they're just pushing your buttons to get out your spoon so you can give it back to them. But am I retaliating like them, or am I operating in meekness? kindness, tenderhearted, because I've seen it before. When you've seen it before, you know how to laugh it off a little more. It still hurts, but you know how to deal with it, and you know that the spoon is no good. Am I operating in meekness when I'm defending my faith? Someone was just telling me recently. They got verbally just boom. I said, that's the devil, bro. They don't like it that God is doing such good things in your life, and as you just keep loving them, they're going to break in a good way. But if you get mad, you start firing back, you're fighting with a spoon. You're, you're battling, but you're actually not gaining any progress. And the biggest reason a lot of outsiders avoid a church is because they see all these people battling with spoons. It's like they know enough word to know that that's not how God intended it, but they, they'll judge from the outside, and then they'll throw it in your face. It's the way it goes. It's what the devil wants. He wants to use everybody to turn everybody against each other because he doesn't want you to see progress. So if he can get a spoon in your hand and get you to just doing the same as your brother from the outside, that's how he wins. Do I behave worse than those I'm trying to deliver God to? Come on, you know, you guys have all met the super, the super Christian. It's like so mean. You ever had like old church lady mean in your life? Anybody? I have. Could it be Satan? Was it SNL? 
That was funny. But there's really people like that. And they're so hard, man. And so here they are trying to deliver Jesus, but it's not being received because it's so aggressive. It's fighting with a spoon. You're attacking with a spoon instead of defending with love, showing the light. Am I offended by what they said to me? But is God offended by maybe some things I say? Can you believe them? When I get home from church today, I'm going to talk about what they wore on Facebook and look at that page they follow and look at that stuff. In the, but they didn't see my Instagram. That's different. They didn't know I did that on Instagram. Oh, they saw that? Yeah, we saw it. God saw it. It's easy to cast over here, but God says, look in your own eye. Pluck that out first. He is without sin. Cast the first stone. It's easy to do. It's easy to see it out here. It's hard to see it in here. And it's easy to battle when we got a spoon. But you're not going to win anything. And Christ conquered without harming anyone. Remember when he got his ears smote in the garden? He could have, like, just, I'm sorry, the, um, Peter just smote the, the soldier. Jesus said, no. Put it back. Glued that thing back on. He says, that's not how I defend my faith. I don't defend like that. Because if I defend it like that, then I become like that. I defend different. Till death do us part. If I suffer for righteousness sake, I still rejoice. Because I know I'm going to suffer. Do I want to hang on this cross? Does it look fun? I mean, I was crying in the garden. Do you think I wanted to do it? But I have to defend my faith the right way because it's the will of God. You see? For righteousness sake. Anybody heard of a Bible thumper? Come on, who, who knows what a Bible thumper? A few thump. You guys are thumpers? Oh, no, you, okay, I got you. You guys have heard of thumpers. Thump, 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 thump. I don't know. A Bible thumper's like, they're getting you together. But they're so mean. It's like, oh, really? Smack. They thump you with the Bible. At least that's how I imagined it. I never actually got hit by one. They thump you, Felix. What kind of gum you chewing? They thump you. No, you can't chew that type of gum. God don't like that type of gum. That makes you want to come to church, doesn't it? That makes you want to be around people when they're thumping you. But see, but see, they mean good, but they're, they're delivering it wrong. They're not delivering it with meekness, with reverence, tenderhearted. They're, they're delivering it hard-hearted, hard as a rock. They've become a hard as a rock themselves, probably because someone did it to them. And now they're passing it on. And we call that our faith. But God says, that's not, that's not it. I don't want you to do that. And sometimes the loudest voice in the conversation is the one in the most denial. The one that's so faithful, they, they won't stop talking about it. And then they go outside, and you see them do different. And you say, hey, do they see what I see as they're thumping me? As we defend our faith, you're going to be challenged and poked at, and you should negate the debate. It's good. Some people like to debate. Some people like to have theological debate and all that. But most times, you're not going to win. If you can plant seed, plant seed. But in general, if people want to debate, they just want to debate. It's like politics. It's going to keep going. So it's wise to negate the debate and just keep loving and seize the opportunity for them to eat at you because that's what will happen 
Am I operating as God's child when someone comes at me like that? Do I treat others with the love and kindness God has shown me? We want to be able to give an account, defend our faith, but in love, not anger. Giving scripture is a good thing, but it's only so effective when the soil isn't ready. That's why our greatest defense is an active one. It's their action. It's your action. It's, it's backing it up what you say. Give a little, plant a little seed. That's why we call it one seed. Because if we give too many seed, it can't grow. It's got to flourish. And it takes growth. And it takes loving and rooting and watering and planting. And that's how you do it, little by little. That's how you do it with your friends. I know we all got friends we wish would come to church, and, and they just won't. It's little by little, little by little. But if we keep that active defense of faith in a good, loving way, it will get to their heart eventually. You guys with me? People will receive the most from you when they respect you. And if you mean to them all the time, they're not going to respect you, especially if they don't even know your name yet. You're already calling them saying, why weren't they at church? I had that happen. When I was a kid, they called me, missed you at church. It was like, why weren't you here? I had visited twice, missed you at church. It wasn't like, hey, we missed you. I'd love to see it. It was like, hey, we missed you at church. It was like in its tone, like, who are you? How did you get my number? By the way, we got connection cards. Anybody wants to fill one out? <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that. We, don't, we, don't, we won't drive you crazy, but... We won't, we won't, like, handcuff you or anything. It's, it's actually cool. We get to know you. Like, we, we're like a family. We become a family. So we talk openly like family because we're in Christ. And my greatest defense is an active one. I must gain people's respect to open their ears. And if boosting yourself and deflating others is your form of witnessing, you may need a new witness. Ouch. God did this for me, and God told me this, and you need to do this, and this, and this. I've had, I've had, oh, I want to go there. People will come in, like, I've never met them, and they'll say, God told me you should do this. And it can be the most off-the-wall thing, and sometimes I just have to say back to them, that's good, but God didn't tell me to do it. God told you to tell me to do it, but God didn't tell me to do it yet. So when he does, I will do it. But I didn't hear from God like that. And they get, they get like, um, mad. They get, like, irritated. I don't, we don't even know them yet. So it's like we're trying, we're trying to engage, but if they come at it like that, it's not going to receive well. See, see, the soil hasn't been tilled yet. you got to till the soil and, and prepare the soil to receive the word. If you just throw it on somebody, the seed's not going to stick. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mentality of witnessing we have in the Christian church a lot of times. It's been taught. Is that's how we witness. And it's cool because I see a shift in, in the church and that, that the church is starting to change its approach and be loving in their approach. It's not like it used to be where it's like in your face, in your face, drive you crazy, thump you with the Bible. That's why we started the church. We, we want to be the new church with the same truth. Amen? We need the Holy Ghost. We all need the Holy Ghost. How can I bear a light if I don't have the light? We need it. That is the true witness. 
bears witness of my relationship with God. I almost digressed. I won't digress. But critical people, you're going to get it from the flip side. When you become outspoken about your faith, you say, man, one seat church is the best church I've ever been to. It's awesome. Well, they don't have this. Do they have this? Oh, they don't have an egg hunt? Oh, see ya. They don't have this. They don't have this. Listen, really, a lot of times people come across wrong, but they mean well. And sometimes they don't really even know what they're saying. See, the, see, the enemy wants to use them as pawns, too, to discourage you. So you have to read into that and say, you know what? I think they really want to be a part of this. When it feels critical, they're really asking questions. They're really asking I want God to do something in my life, but I'm finding a reason to say why it can't happen. CK, no, it's gonna, it's gonna, he's going to love you too. Jesus loves you too. And man, this church is so awesome. God is so good. Jesus is so good. I've never been so happy as I have since I've given my life to Christ. He's changed my life. And you're going to find out. I'm going to keep praying for you. And I can't wait till you come to church and experience for yourself. The devil doesn't like it when you do that. He will flee eventually. But negate the debate. When you feel criticized, count it as joy that God is working on their heart and stirring the soil to receive the word. In order to shift a perspective, they've got to see it in us, not just hear it in us. When the enemy strikes, we need more than data to conquer darkness. We need an active, faithful defense in our lifestyle 24-7. If every day of the week I look different except the, two, the one hour I'm at church, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look confusing to people. Paul says, I won't do it because it might cause them to stumble. If it looks confusing, it probably is. If you think it might be not the right thing to do, it might be a bad example, it probably is not the right example. That's God trying to tell you, yeah, you're, you're, you're discerning right. I'm trying to help you discern. I'm trying to help you, and you're picking up on it. Yes. Do without it when in doubt. Show them you're different. Show them you're different. It's going to be lonely. You want my will? It's going to be lonely. But stick with me, and they will follow you up the mountain. It's the front line for Christ. When we join the front line for Christ, and we understand what our line of defense is, I can't speak this morning. Line of defense is, we rejoice. God wants to equip us with a spiritual armor that's used in a loving battle, a good battle of reaping harvest. If we go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 through 17. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked one. He's going to throw them at you. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It is my sword. It is how I'll defend. 
I have the word in me. Is I'm going to give it to them, but I have it in me. When I have it in me, I know how to live actively in a way that defeats principalities of darkness. Like when I laid down my life for you, Jesus said, I defeated death because I knew the word, because I am the word. God wants to equip you with armor to protect your faith, to defend your faith, and to show your faith in a way that the world is starting to forget. But God hasn't forgotten. Your actions are the greatest weapon led by the commander-in-chief. We need the spirit. Somebody give him a shout of praise today if you believe it's the spirit that gives us the strength that we must decrease. Come on, somebody. Let me know you're feeling it. Let me know this matters to you. This is not a gospel prayer, uh, sermon for me. This is for you all, and I want you to know that I mean this with all my heart. If we can understand that our actions are the way to penetrate other lives, we will see growth. We're not about numbers, but we want to fill this place. We do. We want to fill this place. There's people going to be at this altar praying. Yeah, you know why? They're going to come to the altar. We're going to have the prayer attendance. It's not going to feel awkward because we're so small. And I get that. I've been there. I've been in that situation. But we're going to fill this place with the genuine, authentic truth of Jesus. Whether the world likes it, we're going to keep bringing it. And one by one, we will fill this place and cause a movement in this community, Nate. As Nate has felt it in his prayer, we have all been praying together. And we're doing this because we believe God is moving in this community. Tomorrow is no guarantee, so we're giving it all right now. And we are joining the front line of Christ. Show thyself approved. Lead by example. My greatest defense is, is an active one. If you want to defeat the doubts of the devil, cut to the heart with the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. And when someone gets cut to that heart, they come to repentance on their knees. Repentance is a cutting of the heart. It's a turning. And we're going to get there. We're going to start our first series. It's our first series. I finally wrote a series. It's a four-part series coming up in a few weeks called Transformation. And it starts with repentance, a cutting to the heart. And we're going to lead into the Easter message about the plan of salvation and what the Bible says God wants us to do as the body of Christ to become new and to reach the lost with the light that shines through us. And it starts with a cutting of the heart. So we're going to go there. Can you tell I'm feeling it? I was working on that yesterday. It's, it's fresh in me. It's fresh in me. But it's, it's life or death. The Pharisees, they were full of knowledge, but they did not reflect God's love. That's why they couldn't reach people with the law. My actions must speak God to people and change hearts as I shine his lights. My actions must show a separation between the cares of this world and the holiness of God. My words mean nothing if my actions don't back them up. If y'all could stand to your feet with me as we close. I thought we were going to get iced out again. I was like, dear Lord, I'm going to explode at home and just preach on a cell phone if I got to. Because I got, I got to let it out, God. That's what it is. It's like you got to let it out. There's a burden. There's a burden that we will all carry as the body of Christ. And the burden is to give it away.
today I declare my actions to model God's word as much as I can. If you're new to Christianity, if you're new to God, if this is all new to you, you're in the right place. As long as there's air to breathe, there's an opportunity to start different. And maybe yesterday, you know, I didn't, I didn't give a rip about church, and I didn't care about none of this. But today, I feel something. And so today, I'm going to say, you know what? I want my actions to model Christ. And I'm going to slip, and I'm not going to be perfect because I'm not perfect. Christ is perfect in us when we become born again. But I'm going to do my best to model Christ with my actions as much as I can, delivering the word with love and meekness. And that is how I will defend and preserve the gospel in a lost generation that is flushing it down the toilet. A soft tongue breaketh bones. KJV breaketh. New King James breaks bones. A soft tongue breaks bones. When they're firing at you, devil, love you. Jesus loves you. I'm going to keep praying for you. I know you don't mean it. The enemy seeks to destroy what God is doing, and I want you in God's glory with me. So I'm going to keep praying for you, brother. That's what God has done for me. God has teach me, taught me to see adversity differently. It's taught me to see attacks differently because I know that we're all just pawns. And now when I give an account, I can say I give an account as a witness because I felt the presence of God. And now I know how to defend the presence of God because I know what the enemy looks like because he's a fool and I've seen him fail over and over. So I'll do it in love no matter what. In order to break ground in the hearts of those around me, my actions must speak. If you all can bow your heads as we pray this morning. Jesus, we come to you right now, Lord. You are the fullness of everything God has designed. You are the source. You are the redeemer. You are the comforter. You said you would not leave us parentless, Lord. Come to us now, God. Let us see in what could be the last days. Let us see the truth, God. Let us pass it on to our children so they have a line of defense, God, when we are not able to protect them in that car seat or protect them in that wrestling room. Let us instill them the sword of your spirit, Lord, the word of God. They must have the word in them to be able to defend their faith against the principalities of darkness in the ways of this world as they grow older. And we are thankful, Jesus, that we have an opportunity to serve you faithfully. We are thankful that we can come to our knees and pray when we want. We are thankful that we can tell others the good news without being tortured, beheaded, fed to lions, crucified. We are thankful, God, that we have an opportunity right now that other parts of the world would beg and plead to have. We recognize it, God. We're using this platform to continue to share your word. We're going to be in action that no one's seen. And when they see it, they're going to say, that's God, because I'm not used to that. And I know God is genuine. And that's different from the rest of the world. We are going to shine the true light. And if everybody can say, in Jesus' name, amen.